0: People appreciate creativity, people appreciate authenticity, and business in a lot of ways can be really boring, so stepping outside of the box and having just a little bit of fun with it can be a
1: blast. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Steve Arneson. This one is for the introverts out there. Just like me, if you're out there and maybe you're a little uncomfortable at real estate networking events, well, our discussion today is centered around providing actionable guidance for the introverts who want to be successful in real estate investing. Real estate is a really network and and people-heavy business, and that can be difficult for more introverted people who maybe aren't comfortable in some of these networking events and situations but you can build that skill up over time. That's the good news. You can learn actionable guidance from interviews just like this one with Steve Arneson. You're gonna learn so much today, and you can take steps to build your level of comfort in these networking situations so that you can grow your real estate investing business. I learned so much from conversations just like this one back when I was getting started as a real estate investor. And you know what? I still learn from these conversations today. I'm an introverted guy myself, but the truth is if I want to be successful in real estate the way that I want to be, I need to learn to deal with that. And I kind of need to learn to pretend not to be introverted sometimes and tell myself that I'm not to get out there and succeed in the networking heavy space of real estate investing guidance just like this has been so helpful for me over the years. I remember the first time I was getting started learning how to network in real estate. It was so uncomfortable. But over time, by implementing lessons just like these that you're going to learn today, you can build that muscle. You can build your level of comfort and just succeed to a level that you really might not be able to envision right now, especially for the introverted investors out there. You're not sure what to do. Take these steps, implement them, and you'll be surprised how much you can achieve. We're out there. Other introverted real estate investors are out there just like me, just like you, and you can be successful by implementing these steps in your networking. Once again, I'm your host, Tabor Vote. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investments. To date, I've acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate deals. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the four men's schedule a call, and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much, you guys. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I see your ratings and reviews. I see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. And it gives me such a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling every single time. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Steve Arneson. We're talking about networking skills for real estate investors who just so happen to be introverts. Let's go. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your investing background, can you tell us about what you're doing up there north of the border in Canada?
0: Yeah, Taylor, it's awesome to be here, man. Thank you so much for the time. And your show is fantastic. I really love it. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. But yeah, up here in the, the great white North, I'm from Victoria, British Columbia. Fortunate enough to be born and raised here. And I have traveled to 29 different countries and I still continue to think that Victoria is one of the best places to, to live. And so our portfolio really could, now anyways, is containing of real estate land developments. So we'll do small amalgamations and build four to six story wood frame construction condos usually market we were looking at doing rentals like purpose-built rentals but then with the interest rate increases over the last say year it's just made rentals a little bit harder to, to to manage financially that way and outside of that we operate a fund as well as have a small rental portfolio up and down
1: vancouver island and just excited to be here and share anything i have for you in the audience awesome Today, I'd love to dig into your knowledge, your experience, your strategies for getting out there and building your network in real estate investing. And this is inspired by a conversation that I just had about two hours ago with someone who was really wondering how she can get out there and grow her network. And I'd love to learn how you do that, your strategies, and everything around it. So let's dive into networking in real estate. Cool. Yeah. Any particular place you want to start? <laughs> Well, a lot of folks wonder where to get started, right? They had this goal of going out there, buying a 15, 20, 30 unit property, but they realize they don't have all the money. They don't have all the know-how, but you've done that. So how did you get started in that journey, especially as it comes to getting out there and, and meeting your business partners and investors?
0: Yeah, great question. And, and for context, I used to be a introvert and I was kind of like the guy in the back corner who was fairly shy and timid and just shut up and listen kind of thing. Not so much anymore. I've been fortunate enough in my previous career to lead some business development for a couple of large companies. And and with that came going to trade shows around the world and building our our sales channels. So with that and my current career, I've literally networked with more than a million people, whether that be in busy settings or intimate settings like this over a podcast. So I think when you're starting off, there's two things that you should continue to remember. One is drop your pride and ego. So it's okay to feel vulnerable in those new spaces. That's common for everybody in a new uncomfortable space. So knowing that upfront and giving yourself that permission to walk in there and possibly not be the smartest person in the room. And let's be honest, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room anyways. You want to be on the opposite side of things. The dumber you are in that room, the more fast or the better you're going to like grow and and expand your, your knowledge. The second thing you want to, you know, con- continue to remember is just play into your strengths. So if you're much better, I'll say like on social media, spend a lot more time on social media, whether it be like in real estate investment or personal development or business groups and like DMing people and starting up conversations there. Same goes for if you're, if you're better skilled with typing or, or the written word versus in person and, and speech. And on the opposite side of things, if if you're an extrovert, like who I am now, it's great just to go and you know spread your wings and dive into as much of it as you can. There's a lot of benefit in the freer or like cheaper meetups that are out there. You're likely going to get a little bit more localized information and connection. However, you can't typically grow as fast or as deep in those free settings. It's very strategic if you have the capital, even if you don't to invest into a mastermind or a networking group or some sort of mentorship type of program where that can be accelerated.
1: So, I appreciate that you said you used to be an introvert, now you're an extrovert. There's been a lot more conversation around just introvertedness over the last few years and personally I'm I'm actually an introverted person and you're going to mm-hmm. find that a lot in real estate investing. Mm-hmm. But the way you phrase that, former introvert, now an extrovert. Was that a in a certain sense, I hate to say fake it till you make it, but did you adopt that mentality of, I am a former introvert while still kind of being an introvert, you know, years ago? It was certainly trial by fire.
0: (laughs) You know, it was learn as you go. You know, I did have a bit of a mentor in the space in the earlier stages. However, what it really came down to was just learning what other people are, watching what other people are doing and trying to other mimic that and just constantly putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations. And I guarantee you, you're going to fail time and time again and you're going to look a little bit stupid. But all those times are just like stacks of learning that you're going to like be able to step on top of on the next one and the next one and the next one. And so I actually, what was it? It was like six months or something like that where I basically told myself, I'm going to go and fail as much as I possibly can. And knowing and giving myself that upfront permission to do so, knowing that at the back end of that six months, I'm going to be so much further along than if I was just a little more timid attacking the process.
1: So what things did you learn in that process of going out there and failing and when meeting people? I imagine there are probably a lot of awkward situations, awkward conversations, times when you didn't know what to say. But what did you learn through that process? One of
0: my favorite things here is... Typical networking situation, your you know public space. There's usually some sort of alcohol flowing, or some sort of drinks, or snacks, or or what's out there. And then you find these little pockets of different people. And especially if you're new into that space, it's often the case that you're found kind of on the outskirts or sitting at the table, you know, flipping through your phone looking at deals or something along those lines. And something that I found to be really successful is gathering up the courage just to walk up to what looks like a smiling group of people. So maybe there's 10 different little small circles of, you know, five or six or 10 different people within each circle. And just going into that circle, kind of like cutting your way in, be a part of that little circle and ask, Hey, this looks like a happy looking group. Can I join? And it is like the most effective way to bring people's guards down and still be like politely, you know, included at that point. And I've only had it once where there was this team of people, of four or five people, which I didn't know as a team, say, no, we're actually having a private conversation here (laughs) about something. Come back in like five minutes. And I was like, okay, cool. like That was no problem. But every other time it's been incredibly successful.
1: That is interesting and and awkward, but a private conversation in a public space. I mean, come on, you're in a public space. I know, right? (laughs) So how do you think about, okay, you're, okay, let's move forward, you're able to start conversations with people. But at the end of the day, we're in these spaces because we have an agenda, right? In this case, we want to go Mm -hmm. buy a 15 to 30 unit property and we need partners and investors and that kind of a thing to go do it. So how do you kind of direct the conversation in that way? How do you think about, you know, what do I want to get out of this conversation? Is that even the way, the right way to think about it, approaching a conversation? What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think it's always smart to have an intention prior to walking in the doors. So have a game plan and have a couple of like strategic little pieces up your sleeve, whether it be a deal that you've got under contract, one that you've recently done, or what I call a ghost deal. You just make one up and pretend that it's one that you're gonna, you know, go and acquire because it's the most similar kind of template to what you've used before and you want to encourage conversation. And then in that space, you know, make sure that you do have some some space for being open minded. You never know what kind of opportunities or what kind of connections are going to come from it. But if it's particularly looking for capital. Great. Make sure that some of your conversations, some of your vernacular is around, Hey, we've got this awesome deal, but I'm actually looking for people for like for other partners versus if you're particularly looking for deal flow, Hey, I've got a lot of capital, but I really can't find the right deal. Can you help me? And so kind of managing the expectations along those lines is something that you have to set for yourself before walking in those doors.
1: Okay. One of the things that I've found is from time to time I'll be at a networking event and, you know, we've got deals and that kind of a thing. I know roughly who I'm looking for, but after a few conversations, I kind of find that I think I'm fishing in the wrong pond here. Like I might not have any prospects in this room. Do you ever come across that? Or is that just like the wrong way to think about getting out there and and meeting people?
0: No, networking events are just like dating. There's going to be some fish in the sea that just don't quite work out. And sometimes you know that really quickly. Other times you don't know until the end of the night but you don't know if you don't go. And so in those times, there's two different things that you really want to keep in mind. One is you want to go through volume. If you think that this isn't going to be the right room for you, try to go and connect with as many people as you possibly can. Get cards, get contact details, you know, ask fairly pointed questions to see if that's going to be the type of person that you're going to want to connect with. And two, maybe more importantly, have a good exit
1: strategy. Just like your deals,
0: you want to have a good exit strategy in conversation
1: as well. So, okay. i how? How do you think about exit strategy? I'll, I'll be honest, this is an area that I guess I haven't really thought about. Sometimes I wind up in conversations that are clearly have, like outlived where they really need to be for all parties, but we're you know still continuing. How do you think about your conversational exit strategy? Yeah, there's a couple of really easy ones, like
0: whether you have kids or a pet at home or something along those lines, or keep an eye on the clock and watch for the top and bottoms of the hour. And those are re- like Primarily when people will set up meetings. And so, sorry, I got to run. I've got a, you know, 3.15 or a 3.30 or something along those lines is coming up that I really have to prepare for. Really appreciate the time. Just kind of have a couple like pre-templated almost that you can kind of cycle through and make sure that you're exiting when needed. (laughs) Something to
1: think about. Okay. So they say in business and sales and businesses sales that follow up is everything. And this is an yeah. area where I struggled pretty early on. How do you handle that backend and, and building relationships and you know, pushing forward, making sure you didn't waste your time at these events? Yeah. Well, I got a whole presentation
0: on just how to build and nurture extraordinary relationships. But there's a couple of really cool, fun ones. And you're absolutely right. Like the fortune is in the follow-up and you see sometimes at those networking events where people take the volume thing to a whole new level where all they're doing is collecting cards. I hope they're doing some sort of, you know, fun follow-up. But anyways, the the most effective thing that I've had is a video message and a couple of different things you want to include in that. Obviously your name, where you met, where you're from, or where you're investing. So that they can remember a little bit about you and then recap that conversation. So then, and you can text them that video message. So as soon as you leave or the next morning, depending on how kind of late it is, or when you have the right amount of time, just do a 60 to 90 second video message afterwards. And to the right tell you, it has been, I've had, I've had multi six figure investors say, Hey, yeah, I was like, the thing that's you know made you stand out was a video message reply back. And that's been an excellent one. One of the things I like to do as well, especially if it's some sort of networking in a bit of a larger sense, is, hey, it was really awesome to meet you. Can I follow up by an email? Absolutely, because who says no to an email? And then actually include like a Starbucks gift card in that email. And typically what I'll do is I'll do batches of 10 for 50 to 100 bucks kind of thing. And I'll typically take who I think are like the 10 most effective possible connections and I'll send them... The same screenshot for one card. So basically, what I'm allowed to do in Starbucks is upload a gift card with $100. I'll say, hey, you know, it was really awesome meeting you. You know, your next coffee's on me, but I'd really like to have a second one with you. And looking forward to connecting at a later date. Go, you know, scan this photo that I've included in the email and coffee's all yours. And then thirdly, just have a lot of fun with it. People appreciate creativity, people appreciate authenticity and business in a lot of ways. Can be really boring so stepping outside of the box and having just a little bit of fun with it can be a blast i actually just did a video the other day where i was sitting on the toilet and <laughs> I, <laughs> for real <laughs> it was a follow-up message to some people and they knew that i had just gotten back from mexico and so the opening line was like the camera was kind of coming from my side and basically all you could see was like the countertop and then me sitting on the drone And like, you can kind of see my pants were down, but like, you can kind of see like the edge of my boxers (laughs) as well. So it was like, it was polite enough that, and they were like close enough that it wasn't like totally out there. But I started off by saying, hey, since I got back from Mexico, I've been really backed up business wise. (laughs) And that was exactly what people's reactions were. They had a, they had a laugh. I actually got a reply back with somebody also in the washroom and we just had a lot of fun with it. The clothes rate on it was really high. It was, it was, you know, a little outside of my comfort zone. And I think that's some of the fun with it.
1: Interesting. Okay. I don't know if I would send
0: that to like, you know, ultra high net worth individuals, but it was for a mastermind that we run. So it was kind of a a little casual setting.
1: Context is is very important for that (laughs) particular type of a message. So when you're, I would imagine you get better at those video messages as you do more and more of them as skills, you know, develop. That's just kind of how that works. But typically how many like drafts do you go through? Because I imagine that the first time, like if I'm recording an intro for this podcast, for example, sometimes I do them five or six times before I get the one that I really want. I would imagine with one of these video messages, I'm going to probably give it a, a few shots before I have one that I want to send.
0: Yeah, totally. Other, other times you just rattle off a really great one and he hit send. But I'm the same way, especially if it's the first one I've done in, in a couple of weeks, you know, a little bit of rust to shake off. But most of the time, especially if you're doing like six or seven in a row after a networking event, you know, it takes you two or three cuts to get warmed up. Have some notes. There's a great app called Teleprompter that you can download on any smartphone. And it's just a camera, like your camera with whatever kind of script you wanna put over it. So it can move at different paces. Other times you can just put bullet points in there and be like, hey, awesome time on the show. This is a video message. I'm looking forward to doing some business with you down the road, blah, 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 blah. And just have that in front of you as you're looking at your camera. Nobody knows the wiser, and it's a great
1: little advantage that you can have as looking off your notes. Awesome. So we've covered a few, I think, what one might call mistakes that either you've made, I've made, or you see people make in the context of networking and relationship building. But are are there any other big ones that stick out that either, you know, we, we all make mistakes in these things, right? But mistakes that you've made yourself or you see others make on a regular basis when out there networking?
0: Yeah, there's a few. You know, first impressions do mean quite a bit, right? And so I'm always a fan of overdressing. If you don't know what the, if it's business casual, I'll do business casual with a little extra kind of thing. Just if you don't know what the group is going to be like, I'd rather look better than worse. And again, like you never know who you're going to meet. So you might meet some multimillionaire who's ready to drop down checks and you want to look your best. The other thing is like profanity. Speaking of you know, video messages, you know, you want to keep your potty mouth to a minimum. And and then just do a, a bit of a self-check, you know, make sure that, you know, your hands are washed, your hair looks good, you know, you got nothing in your teeth. You know, if, you're, if you drive there, you know, every car has got a couple different mirrors. And outside of that, I think, you know, a lot of people bring business cards. I don't purposefully. And so like if you forgot your business card, the it's actually a blessing because when you dish out a business card, and let's say the other person doesn't have one, you have no kind of control to initiate conversation. Whereas I purposely say, no, I'm sorry, I don't bring business cards, but I have a cell phone. just want to switch details right now. And I don't think I've ever had anybody say no. Maybe the odd person who's way out of my league kind of thing. But those are a couple of little things that you
1: could avoid or, or could use as a tactic. Okay. So not having a business card, that's interesting and, and kind of bold. I don't know if folks really get, I find that uncomfortable, right? Because it's going outside of the social norm a little bit. How about mm-hmm. for the newbie where, okay, they they don't have like a, a social status for want of a better term, but you don't have a real estate investing background or experience. You're coming kind of with nothing. You don't have a business card. You might look like underprepared. Whereas Steve, he's showing up, he's got all these millions of dollars in real estate. Heck, he might've just spoken on the stage a little bit, he's got all this status, right? It's He has the right not to have a business card, but I'm a brand new person. I got nothing going. Is it too bold to not have a business card? Do you look unprepared if you're brand new? What do you think? I don't think so if you frame it that way, mm. right? It's all about the confidence
0: and, and the delivery in it. In the early stages, if you're trying to build a brand out of it, then yeah, absolutely. Bring a million business cards and leave them everywhere you possibly can. <laughs> logo side up and in that particular case, if 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 you're dishing out business cards to everybody, people are going to put that in your pocket. and They're going to likely look at it once, maybe take a picture of it, yeah, maybe not. But again, it it leaves you, it could leave you empty-handed in that relationship, whereas you want to be able to at least initiate conversation with as many possible people as you can through that, and that's why I particularly don't like to take business cards. This coming weekend, I will be, actually. I'm going to an event with about two or 3,000 people, and I used to go every year, but I haven't gone for the last couple of years. One, I couldn't make it, and the most recent one they had in October, but the few years prior was pandemic, and you know how rules and regulations were up here, but this time around, I'm going to take a few, and basically, how I'm going to strategically use that is I'm going to throw like two or three in my wallet at, at a time, and I'm going to use the, like the, sorry, I don't take business cards things as my strategy, and if there's somebody who I really want to connect with and say, ah. Oh, you know, that's a shame and, and maybe they walk away or, or attempt to, or, you know, kind of disagree with that. Then I'm like, ah, you know what? I might actually have one liner on my wallet that I haven't used for a little while here. Let me, let me dig around and see if there's one. And like inside my wallet, there's that little tiny, like inner pouch kind of thing where I'll have like two or three, like, oh yeah, here's one. Sorry. So
1: that's, that'll be my strategy. Mm, interesting. Okay. So I'd like to circle back on identifying as an extrovert and maybe the, the top, sp- one or two skills or strategies that really helped you make that shift. You mentioned about walking up to groups of folks and, you know, being willing to just basically introduce yourself, say hi, say hey, can I join you? And then, you know, you're off to the races from there. That's kind of one that I use too, honestly. It gets a little uncomfortable at times, but hey, you know, it works. Are there any other big strategies that you've picked up to make that shift from introverted to extroverted at these events?
0: I actually took a couple of different things. One, I think you can educate yourself in the lines of sales and like speech. So I've taken public speaking classes before to, you know, get the right reps and to get the right format of things where you are a speaker, whether it be on a podcast or the front of the stage or just in a networking type of position. So taking, you know, YouTube lessons or something along those lines or more professional setting courses as well are confidence builders right and it's that confidence piece that most people or that that prevent a lot of people from really stepping into those types of settings and then other than that it's just really follow the four c's of communication and the four c's of communication are clean so we kind of talked about before of like no potty language (laughs) clear being like transparent and honest and you want to make that one number three consistent and then the fourth c is concise in these types of Networking settings, like oftentimes it should be your intention to get to see as many people as possible as well. And that's also going to be the other people's intention as well. They're going to want to rotate through the room and network with other people. So you want to be concise with your answers as well as your questions. It's great to ask questions. You know, the thing they teach you in sales is that the person who speaks the most usually loses. So the listener wins. So active listening is a really great one as well.
1: Awesome. I love it. A lot of great knowledge in this one right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances check out stessa stessa makes managing real estate investments simple you can easily keep track of the performance finances and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com scroll down to the Stessa logo and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Steve, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Man, I've been living for this moment. (laughs) Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education?
0: Yeah, we bought a five plaques a few years back. It was literally like the crack shack on the road. And then the kitty corner was actually where they made it. And this place ended up burning down. And so the tenants of the fiveplex left and we had purchased it kind of the right time. And we did a huge value add to the property. So numbers wise, we bought it for 900, we put 200,000 into the, the property. And then we were able to, we bought it cash and then we were able to put a mortgage on it for about a million dollars. So we had a hundred thousand dollars left into this fiveplex that basically makes a hundred thousand dollars a year in gross revenue. So that one's definitely been the best. And since, you know, it's appreciated like a gangster and we've been able to take a HELOC out on it and we've been using that for basically some options trading and that's been doing
1: well as well. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made?
0: Yeah, there was this one development project that we're still in right now. And at the time when we underwrote it and when we acquired it, it was your run of the mill. Like it was it was really, really good. You know, not to the moon and back or anything like that, but it was it was a very solid project. But one of the mistakes, it was one of our earlier projects, one of the mistakes that we made in it was we opened up sales for the entire building instead of staggering the sales cycle. And what had happened was we sold down here, if you're not watching the YouTube video of this, my hand is really low. And then through the pandemic, costs and appreciation went up. But because we had sold 80% of the building prior to that cost escalation, we had no room left to make up for those additional costs. So it'll be an under deliver, or sorry, it'll under deliver what we originally expected. It'll still be positive, which is great, but that was a hard lesson learned.
1: Yeah. And it's tough. And I imagine looking at that and looking at the projections, you see the margin narrowing, Throughout the course of the project, there's a question okay, is it going to be profitable or is it not going to be? Now it looks like it will be. But when you see that margin narrowing as you head toward completion, it gets pretty scary.
0: Right. And the lesson of that is just stagger your sales. So if you chop it up into like 25% pieces or 20% pieces, that way you can kind of mitigate your risk on the cost going up, as well as possibly capitalize on further appreciation throughout the sales cycle. Nice.
1: Well, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Most important lesson, can I break those out into an answer for both?
0: Please. Okay. So the most important lesson in business is when you're operating your own business, it is the best and fastest and maybe hardest way to go through personal development. It forces you to learn and grow uh, as a leader for your team, as well as for your community. And it pushes you in ways that you never would have expected, which has been a fantastic journey and ride. And I I love those challenges and I live for them. On the investing side of things, it's get everything in right in, get everything in right in. And there's been a couple of times where we've had you know friends or buddies of buddies do contracting work because they're going to give us a deal. And it's a bit of a handshake and that comes back to bite us in the butt. And there's been bigger times as well where you know partners don't live up to their expectations that we had verbalized but didn't have you know written out in contracts. So I've learned that lesson twice
1: and I won't learn it again. Wow, that is a rough one, and that one can be le- a tough one to learn with contractors in particular. And Steve Ron, mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. For the folks out there, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down?
0: Yeah, at the best way is just on instagram it's just first name steve underscore last name arneson a-r-n-e-s-o-n or you can track us down which is through our company which is the reinvestors and those are the best ways to to get a hold of me
1: awesome well thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there thank you for tuning in if you're enjoying the show please leave us a rating interview on apple podcast five stars if you don't mind you guys I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.